The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as betting stats and trends that you won't find anywhere else. Today is Monday, July 30th, and welcome into yet another edition of the Inside Vegas podcast. This episode, we're going to be finishing up the Vegas Bookies Club with a look at the NFL version of what many people consider to be the greatest reading when you're getting ready for your handicapping in the 2018 football season. With Warren Sharp's 2018 college football, or I'm sorry, Warren Sharp's uh, 2018 football preview. Obviously, last week with Jake Gray, we did... Phil Steele's 2018 preview for the college side. And this is kind of the other side of that coin when it comes to handicapping the NFL. When you're starting your handicapping, these are honestly two of the things that I go to to start everything. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I don't recommend kind of blindly following anything. I think that everything can be used in its own right and as a tool. And this particular book is nothing more, nothing less. I do value it the same. I mean, you can tell how much I value Phil Steele's book by how I talked about it last week and how I'm talking about it this this week. This one, I value it a little bit less, but it is the, you know, if I didn't read this book, when it comes to handicap in 2018 season, I wouldn't read a guide in the way that I do Phil Steele's. I feel like this is the best out there. However, that being said, there's not that many, there's not that much competition when it comes to 2018 team by team guides. Uh, so I will say that. However, I do feel that this is a great tool when you're looking at kind of a baseline. So obviously, I'm not going to go through absolutely everything he says. I mean, the guide is 250 pages, uh, but I do think it's important to kind of go team by team. We'll look at this from an odds perspective, of course, kind of wins and losses, season uh, preview, season win loss records, prop stuff like that. And we'll just kind of take it, you know, um, I don't want to say skim through it, but we're just going to look at the baseline because when you look at this team by team, uh, he has every, I mean, this is one of the most in-depth guides and previews that you'll absolutely come across. I mean, from a team by team basis, I mean, obviously there's only 32, 32 NFL teams and Phil Steele was covering, you know, 250, whatever it is in college football. So uh, Sharp has the privilege of kind of going way more in depth. And, and when you talk about this, I mean, he goes into, uh, the, the uh, overview, of course, I mean, success rates, downfield passing, offensive, defensive metrics, uh, schedule variances, all that type of stuff. Uh, he does go in through betting lines, um, so we're going to talk about that. But I mean, you're talking down and distance tendencies, shotgun percentages, run rates, pass rates, passing play tendencies, frequent plays, who they went to, uh, anything and everything. So in that regard, if you're somebody that looks to get into the weeds of handicapping, this is your guide. To me, it's just I handicap things a little bit differently, and I don't feel I need to go into the weeds like this. But if you are somebody that's looking you know, to take that route, this is most definitely the guide for you. I'm going to be riding solo on this one. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy the sound of my voice because this one, um, it shouldn't be too long. Like I said, we're only going to go through this from a season wins perspective. Um, so let's dive right into it. Again, this is the 2018 version of Warren Sharp's NFL preview. The first team he starts out with is the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously the big addition here, uh, being Josh Rosen, quarterback out of UCLA, obviously another wide receiver in Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M and some other draft picks that really probably won't make that big of a leap. I mean, fourth round pick running back out of Fordham, running backs can come from anywhere and everything like that. 
So 2018 forecast, let's start there. He has them projected at five or five and a half uh, wins. So obviously, obviously you can't win five and a half. So what does that mean? That's just his projection. It's somewhere in four to six. So it, it's going to be kind of hard to uh, look at this, you know, cut and dry and say he has them going this. It, it's not run like that. So let's look at the Arizona Cardinals and everything that they lost, right? Obviously, the big one is the quarterback. They brought in Sam Bradford. Carson Palmer retired. Bringing in Rosen, is Rosen ready? Is he not ready? Uh, who kind of knows at this point, right? Um, so that's going to be the big one. Everything that I've read says that it is Sam Bradford's job to lose in kind of that placeholder role. Again, he's only there for what amounts to a one-year deal. That's a team option. But if Rosen looks good, obviously they're not going to keep him there. Arizona is a polarizing team. The thing that Warren Sharp points out that is a very, very good sign for them when it comes to his strength of ske- uh, schedule that he breaks down, Arizona has the easiest strength, uh, s- easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Obviously, did not finish well, and that carried over into kind of how they got this breakdown. Warren Sharp, for anyone that doesn't know, does a one to thirty-two ranking. It's not really a power ranking, but it's more of a it's the same mold of an NCAA top twenty-five. And they face one quote-unquote top ten opponent uh, in the first eight weeks, and that's LA. Everything else for them is uh, at home. Um, so they have a very, very uh, feasible schedule to kind of um, maybe, you know, defy expectations a little bit. Obviously, Bruce Arians is the other big uh, missing piece that they will not have this season. So when we look at this from an odds perspective, Arizona's season wins right now. Uh, let me bring this up. Cardinals, over five and a half. The over is minus 185. Under five and a half is plus 155. So obviously Warren Sharp has them right around that, um, right around that. Obviously that being said, he has that at five and a half. There's not a lot of wiggle room here in that, you know, maybe you look towards the under in that it's juiced appropriately, obviously having to lay minus 185 on a win total is never a good thing. Um, and again, all of these teams are not, uh, you know, with a half point, it's just how he kind of has, uh, the Arizona ranked up. So He also has them number four in the division. So, I mean, again, Arizona, you don't know what you're going to get. I don't feel there's much of an edge here. And again, if you break this down, Arizona, getting David Johnson back is going to be probably the biggest acquisition, maybe outside of Andrew Luck in the 2018 season. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers coming back but wasn't really lost for the whole season. So that's a little bit different. Christian Kirk coming in could be an impact player. John Brown did depart and ended up in Baltimore. The, Larry, the ageless wonder Larry Fitzgerald is still there. And from a fantasy perspective, there's nobody more consistent in football than Larry Fitzgerald. So, but there is basically the second most, I believe, is what Warren Sharp said. Yep, second most uh, air yards. And what that means is receiving yards to make up for. So Christian Kirk has a great chance to be kind of an impact player off the bat if you kind of buy into, into that, you know? Next team, Atlanta Falcons. Warren Sharp has them going nine and seven. Their pass records ten and six, eleven and five, and eight and eight in twenty fifteen. Has them number two in the division. Atlanta took the Super Bowl hangover to the next level last year. Obviously, ten and six on the surface doesn't look bad, but for where expectations were, it was something of a letdown. When we look at their drafted players, Calvin Ridley. I mean, the rich get richer here with Julio Jones, and Julio Jones has kind of probably been one of the most disrespected players when it comes to. Fantasy production, um, he's going in the middle of the second round from a fantasy perspective, and he's the same player. They showed up the secondary with Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado in the second round, and the third round was a defensive tackle. Devontae Freeman is one guy that I wanted to touch on out of this because 
he only went over 20 carries uh, four times last season. However, and his stats declined on this. So I think that this team is really primed for a bounce back. And again, Warren Sharp has them winning nine wins right on par with Vegas. Falcons total is at nine minus 115 each way. So obviously not a ton of value there from a Warren Sharp perspective. Things I did want to touch on, again, the bounce backs. I think that the Super Bowl hangover is real. It's been proven to be real. Every team in the last seven or eight years, I forget which one it is, besides the New England Patriots, have gone under their season win total the next year. So if the, a team goes to the Super Bowl, they go under their season win total uh, next year, every year for seven years, unless it's the Patriots. Um, so I think that this is a very real trend. It's been proven to be real. Uh, so I think that Atlanta is going to have a bounce back here. The difference is, I think that at worst, you're probably, you know, have, you do have the safety of a push without the half there at nine. Um, again, I think their floor is probably nine and seven. So I, I would lean towards the over there. And again, Warren Sharp does agree uh, with a lean towards the over there as well. They also, I mean, they completely struggled in the red zone last year, which is a huge thing. And those things tend to regress towards the mean. Uh, so Julio Jones in the red zone, I think is going to be a big play target down there, as well as getting Devontae Freeman more in involved. Didn't really add a ton in free agency. Justin Bethel is a speedster. Um, Tyson Graham, the defensive end, Logan Paulson. No really flashy um, ads. Players lost. There really wasn't a ton of players lost on the outside either. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, again, but they, uh, Dantari Pope, they also got, like I said, Calvin Ridley is possibly the best receiver in the draft. I'm going to tell you who I think my best receiver in the draft is a little bit later, and I'm maybe kind of one of the only people who thinks that. But I think that Arizona, Atlanta can really make a bounce back. And again, Warren Sharp completely agrees. So the next team, Baltimore Ravens. Is there a more polarizing team? I mean, you have a team at the quarterback position with Joe Flacco, who at the time was the most highest paid quarterback in the league, yet is offensively last in just about every major statistical category. Uh, so they go ahead and draft Lamar Jackson. I mean, talk about polarizing meets polarizing, right? Michael Vick in his game, no doubt about it. Can he throw the ball? I mean, there's no doubt he's a project. So that's why, I mean, was Robert Griffin kind of brought in to mold him? Maybe Griffin can kind of teach him what he couldn't do once he lost the movement in his knee. Um, you, you just don't know. They did add a ton on the outside. I mean, Willie Sneed coming over, Michael Crabtree and John Brown, I touched on this. They, outside of Arizona, like I said, Arizona is number two. Baltimore is number one in the most receiving yards that they need to make up for uh, via departing players. Um Again, not to say that anybody there was out of this world. It's just those targets have to go somewhere, um, and they are number one in the league. So again, Warren Sharp has them winning eight games currently. Again, all these odds are always courtesy of mybookie.ag. Ravens, they are at eight as well. So over eight, minus 120. Ravens under eight, minus 110. When you look at what Baltimore has done, they're always right around there, right? They had that awful year in 2015 at 5 and 11, 2016, 8 and 8, 2017, 9 and 7. So have they gotten worse or have they gotten better? There's no doubt they got better on the offensive side of the ball, adding John Brown and Michael Crabtree and only really losing uh, Mike Wallace, Benjamin Watson, uh, Crockett Gilmore, and Michael Caminiaro. So again, these targets have to go somewhere, especially from a fantasy perspective. I think that you can kind of pick from the bottom of the barrel uh, with Baltimore especially the deep threat with John Brown. He's going to occupy that Mike Wallace role with significantly better speed, I would even say, at this point in their careers, and much better hands. Again, John Brown has not stayed healthy for an entire season since his 1,000-yard season. So buyer beware there a little bit. But to me, I would lean towards the over here. 
Um, and again, when we talk about this from a Warren Sharp perspective and everything that he does, uh, I'm just going to read the 2017 passing recap and 2018 outlook because I think that's the most fascinating thing of what uh, Sharp kind of breaks down. Since the Ravens gave Flacco the initial extension, he ranks 32nd in yards per attempt, everything I just said, and 31st in passer rating, about 34 quarterbacks, at least 1,000 attempts. Hasn't been good for quite some time, so Newsom traded back into the round for Louisville's Lamar Jackson, the number 32 pick, landing Jackson with the fifth-year option and gives them the flexibility there. Flacco, if they cut Flacco next year, they can save over $10 million in cap space in addition to over $20 million in cap room in 2020. I think that Flacco's gone reading that. There's no way you can justify uh, spending that, especially when you made a first-round investment in Lamar Jackson. Um, again, Marty Morningwig helped turn Vic from a 54% passer to a 63% quarterback. So he knows how to handle these guys, um, and they kind of get creative. Uh, he, you know, Tyrod was in that system for a very long time as the backup there. So I think that down the road, Lamar Jackson may be a real threat. And one thing to note at this is look at this from a preseason. Um, a little known fact is that Trevon Boykin, who is the quarterback at TCU, ended up on the Seahawks for a number of years. He was the number one against the spread quarterback by a large margin for his whole tenure there. I think that we could see something else, something like that, especially from second half perspectives. Uh, if you can kind of dig into that information and see how much Lamar Jackson may play, I think that when there is zero film, even zero preseason film, there's definitely an edge that can be gained there when you're looking at a preseason market that may not account for what uh, Lamar Jackson could bring to the table from a preseason perspective. Again, who knows what's going to happen in the regular season if they're playing to, uh, Flacco a absolute ton of money. So who knows if they're going to you know pull that plug, but I would see at least a restructure coming if Flacco does want to stay there. And again, that's going to depend on if uh, the Ravens want to bring him back. Moving on to the Buffalo Bills 2018 forecast, Warren Sharp has them winning six games. As we look at the Bills season win perspective, their total is at, I'm sorry, they, he has them at six and a half. So about six and a half wins. Bills in Vegas right now, total over under is six plus 150 to the over. Bills total wins is towards the under at minus one six minus 180. So if you want to spend, if you want to go under, you're going to have to lay minus 180 to do so. So according to Warren Sharp, there's an edge on the Buffalo Bills over. Um, good luck with that when your quarterbacks are A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen. And I say that jokingly. Um, again, I don't think that there's an edge kind of one way or another here. I'm not, You don't know what Josh Allen is, right? Every year there seems to be a rookie kind of takeover and you know, it shows you something. It could be Josh Allen. Nobody knows. It could be Darnold. It could be Mayfield. It, you just never know. McCarron, everything that I've read out of Bill's camp is that McCarron is playing to not lose his job and Josh Allen has been far and away the best quarterback. I don't know if that comes as a surprise to some people. A lot of people have been clamoring for AJ McCarron to get his shot for a very long time. He's got it, but he has to beat out, you know, Josh Allen, who's a first round pick. So uh, very, it's interesting to see uh, Warren Sharp go over at the season win total here. Actually has them finishing number two in the division. Obviously, that's not a grand task beyond New England having... Miami and the Jets aside Buffalo in that division. But just a little note there. When we look at players that they've added, there's uh, not a ton. Vontae Davis, Philip Gaines, Chris Ivory. Uh, who about if Chris Ivory is actually, I, I believe he's gone now. Um, still may be there. Jeremy Curley, I think, could be a sneaky play. Star Lutelli, about it. Drafted players. Josh Allen. They had two number one picks. Took, looking at the defensive, took Tremaine Edmonds out uh, of Virginia Tech. Defense, I mean, they went defensive heavy, which they absolutely needed. Harrison Phillips out of Stanford at the three. Cornerbacks in the fourth round, uh, Weber State and Jacksonville State. 
Ray Ray McLeod out of Clemson, number six. I absolutely love that uh, selection. I'm kind of shocked that Ray Ray McLeod went so late in the draft, um, but I am by no means a talent evaluator. Players lost. Ed Higbo uh, was a retired guy. Um, Incognito was playing... Uh, probably some of the best football of his career um, at the time of his retirement after the whole bullying scandal, but they didn't lose a ton. Jordan Matthews, Brandon Tate didn't have a ton to begin with. Uh, the thing is though, is I think that when you look at how bad the rest of the AFC East is, they may be the best of the worst. Miami is projected to be probably one of the worst teams in football. The Jets have a, a bare bones roster right now and completely a re- rebuild with another rookie quarterback. So if you think that McCarron is better than Tannehill, I think that's a real debate to have. So there is some kind of uh, debate that they may finish over six wins and get that second place in that division. Warren Sharp certainly thinks so. From a outlook perspective as a whole with what they um, could be and were last year, uh, according to Warren Sharp, I mean, everything was so short with the Bills last year because that's what Tyrod Taylor's strength is, right? Poor man's Michael Vick. Make things out of nothing, run around, little schoolyard game, about it. The big thing with this team is what will happen to LaShawn McCoy. Obviously, if you've seen the TMZ sports video, I mean, small allegations, beating up his wife, uh, or girlfriend, fiance, whatever she was, beating up dogs. I mean, if any of those are proven to be true, I mean, you're looking at a very lengthy suspension. And again, one of the great things that Warren Sharp does is looks at uh, player basically who touched the ball the most, um, all that type of stuff. And nobody was a bigger driving force in that offense than LaShawn McCoy. Um, Their top five most frequent plays were all to LaShawn McCoy. Their most successful plays were all to LaShawn McCoy. And he touched the ball the most out of anybody not named Tyrod Taylor, obviously. So that would absolutely crush that team. I really believe that. Um, Some people think that the Bills offense is more of a system offense. I mean, it's produced some of the best. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, Fred Jackson had incredible success there. So I do think that you don't need the utmost talent, much like Dallas, to be successful at the running back position there. But obviously, McCoy does so, so much in the uh, passing game out of the backfield. So it's going to be a little bit difficult to replace that. When I say a little bit, I mean an absolute lot. Carolina Panthers. Warren Sharp has them winning nine games in their division or in the season. And the win total on the year is eight and a half. So obviously a edge to be gained there. If you want to go the side of Warren Sharp with the Carolina Panthers, their past records, 2017, 11 and five, 2016, six and 10, 2015, obviously the 15 in one year. If you're looking for a prop that kind of correlates here, obviously going under the season win totals is a great look, but I think the one that may be even better is first head coach fired. I'm going to get into who I already bet um, to be the first head coach fired in all honesty, but I think that this, I think that Ron Rivera is going to get a bet from mine. I really do. I mean, if this team falters again, he may get the shown the door very, very quickly here. And as I'm looking right now at mybookie.ag, Ron Rivera is... 40 to one. I think that's incredible value from a guy that's been known to gamble. And (laughs) as gamblers know, sometimes things do not go their way. When you look at what they've lost, Derek Anderson, backup quarterback, one of the best backup quarterbacks. (laughs) I mean, really? Uh, So if anything were to happen to Cam Newton, I think they are absolutely crippled crippled at the quarterback position. Um, As we go down to who they drafted, DJ Moore out of Maryland is a complete speedster. I never really understood getting rid of Calvin Benjamin. I know he may not have, you know, be long for the NFL with his knee, but I I think that Carolina at least thinks and feels they're in kind of win mode, win now mode. 
whether that's true or not. And then they went defense after that with two cornerbacks, Dante Jackson out of LSU, Tennessee, a tight end, Ian Thomas out of Indiana, who's way more of a blocker. So nothing kind of flashy offseason here. But they didn't, again, they didn't lose a lot. Greg Olson is a year older. Cam New, everyone's a year older, but not a ton of kind of um, huge losses, as you can see here. So again, Warren Sharp has them going over their season win total. Again, Warren Sharp does have a complete breakdown of a whole gambling section. Um, 2018 betting lines, has look-ahead lines, everything. So from a gambling perspective, I think that this this guide is completely worth it just from that as well. Uh, but it just depends on how you kind of want to look at things like that. Again, Carolina is a team, again, I know he has them kind of winning going over there. I think that they brought on CJ Anderson, which gets rid of the plotting back and Jonathan Stewart, but brings in another one. And Christian McCaffrey is going to, without a doubt, be the LaShawn McCoy, be the Le'Veon Bell, be the David, be the David Johnson out of that offense. And as an aside note, all season long, Christian McCaffrey's props for passing for receptions were always lined the same as LaShawn McCoy and David Johnson right at that uh, three and a half, four, four and a half, five. Anything under that, I think, is uh, an automatic over. Um, there was a time when they were line, Le'Veon Bell was lined at three and a half, four. Same with David Johnson. Every single, the first like eight to 10 weeks of the season before bookmakers caught on. And it was an, just an absolute automatic uh, cash every single week. So I think that's a great way to look with Christian McCaffrey, talking about getting ahead of that market. Um, and there is a kind of a fantasy corner that Evan Silva from Yahoo, uh, Roto World, does in this guide. And Devin Funches is kind of his breakout guy this year from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, DJ Moore, the rookie, Christian McCaffrey. Um, and again, if you're looking for a late round, late round flyer in your fantasy leagues, I think you can do worse than CJ Anderson. I really do. And again, Greg Olson is just super, super reliable. Next up, we have the Chicago Bears. And next to the Cleveland Browns, there may not be a team that professionals and sharps like to play more than the Chicago Bears, and, and I truly don't know why, because I think that Mitch Trubisky is absolutely awful. I will say, Mitch Trubisky is, uh, let's go with the word average, uh, out of the shotgun. And he played, obviously, nine, he never took a snap under center at uh, North Carolina. The Bears, when he, he was in there, ran about 10% of their plays out of the shotgun. So obviously, that's not playing to your player's strengths. I realize that you're not going to go out of the shotgun every single play, but you need to incorporate what works for your quarterback. Um, do I think that Trubisky's a good quarterback or will be a good quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely not. But I think that they're not doing right by him and at least giving him a chance to succeed. So from a season wins perspective, bring this back up. Chicago Bears are over six and a half minus 155, under six and a half plus 125. 2017, five and 11, 2016, three and 13, 2015, six and 11. Warren Sharp has them going six and 10. This is, I mean, if you haven't noticed, I think that, I think that Warren Sharp, this is one of the things I don't love about this guide is that he looks at these type of things when he makes it rather than arriving to the conclusion and then looking at, I think he uses that as more of a baseline, which is why these are so kind of sharp for lack of a better term. Um, again, six and a half, he has them going six and 10. So that would be the under at plus 125. I think there is a little bit of value there to go under. I just do not think Mitch Trubisky is long for this league. And when you look at who's behind him, I mean, Tyler Bray, Chase Daniel, Benny Fowler at the wide receiver position, Taylor Gabriel, wide receiver, there's not a lot there. And to make matters worse, 
they didn't really do anything great on the offensive side of the ball from a draft perspective. They went defense. Raquan Smith from Georgia is going to be a great player. They had two second round picks, Anthony Miller out of Memphis and James Daniels out of Iowa. After that, uh, they went all defense. That their only offensive player in the draft, besides the number one fifty one, number fifty one overall pick, Anthony Miller, was wide receiver Javon Wims out of Georgia. So they don't they don't really value this. You know what the Bears are? They want to play defense. They want to run the ball. When I talked about Lashawn McCoy being so entry into what the uh, Bills do, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen are going to be that. When you have an awful quarterback. What's he going to do? He's going to look for tight ends and he's going to look for his running backs out of the backfield. And so to me, Jordan Howard is a dark horse for most rushing yards. Let me pull that one up right now. Um, as well as Tariq Cohen uh, to kind of take that next step. Again, probably more of a fantasy perspective. Let me just bring up uh, most rushing yards right now because I know he's up there. Jordan Howard is, um, is he listed? Uh, 20 to one. So I think that there is, I'm sorry, no, he's nine to one. Again, courtesy of my AG. I think there's a ton of value there when you look at what Jordan Howard has done and kind of his progression. Yes, Tariq Cohen is going to take kind of some carries away and everything like that. But their most frequent plays, top five, were all Jordan Howard. Their most successful plays, top four, all Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen had a couple of their most successful plays because that was because he broke an 80-yard pass on, on a swing route. So I think that... Uh, their offense is inept. It's going to be inept again. I think that Chicago is going to be an under team completely all, all season. Uh, I think that you can definitely make some money, especially in the first half under market. And from a prop market, I think you look at Jordan Howard probably over rushing yards and Tariq Cohen over receptions. And again, let's look at his quick uh, outlook on the Chicago Bears 2018. Trubisky ranked 39th in quarterback rating and dead last in, su in success rate, 34%. On all downs throwing to the left and right, Trubisky's 71 rating ranked 35th Remind you, there's 32 quarterbacks. And he finished dead last in success rate at 34%. While Trubisky's receivers were admittedly bad, Trubisky's passer rating remained 34% when targeting tight ends and backs. I know some people that are kind of high on him, and I don't see it. I think he's probably a bottom five quarterback in this league, and is he going to be a career backup when Chicago realizes and at least pulls the plug on him. But hey, I've been wrong before. I thought that Jared Goff would be out of this league. I still remain, I still stay, stand fast that I believe Dak Prescott will be out of this league within the next three years. Um, I think he's Tim Tebow 2.0, but we'll get into that. Again, Chicago Bears, they're going to be a professional team. You're going to see reverse line movement all season. I side with Horan Sharpair and going under the six and a half. Cincinnati Bengals. Marvin Lewis enters his 16th year. Bill Lazor and the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator is new coordinator Terrell Austin. 2018, their season win total is 6.5 minus 150 for the over, under 6.5 plus 120. Finally, we have a little bit of disagreement. Warren Sharp has the Cincinnati Bengals going 7-9 after going 7-9 last year, 6-9-1 in the 2016 season, and 2015 season at 12-4. I agree. From a Pythag theory last year, there was um, they were the number one. If you, again, if you don't know what Pythag is, it, it can be calculated in baseball. It's basically a way to calculate how many wins a team should have in the upcoming season based on stats, unlucky stuff. There's a whole formula to it. Um, if, reach out to me if you would like to know more about Pythag. I'm really not going to break that down in this podcast. I'm going to keep it about uh, Warren Sharp and his preview. Seven and nine. So obviously he feels that the, much like me, that the Bengals are on the right track at six and a half. Again, you do have to lay minus 150, but I think that this one may be worth it. When you look at their schedule, I mean, Indianapolis, Baltimore, you figure... 
the line did flip week one. I will say that with Andrew Luck being rolled uh, rolled in or what looks to be rolled in, they went from a three point favorite to a three point underdog. Uh, Baltimore, they're probably going to be a dog. So likely zero and two. Carolina, Atlanta, zero and four. This is what I wanted to talk about. It, it's it's really rough early, but they could probably get one out of India, uh, Indianapolis, Baltimore. So maybe you're looking at that. Maybe one out of Miami, uh, Pittsburgh, KC, and Tampa Bay the first half of the season. Tampa Bay will probably be the worst team in the league. This team may start 0-4, and, and this may be the year that they call for Marvin Lewis's head at that 0-4 mark. So this is what I want to bring up again with uh, next our first head coach to be fired. Marvin Lewis at plus 850 I think is a lot of value, only because when you look at this, I think that Andrew Luck may be the difference on whether or not he keeps his job. Uh, I really do. It, it's as simple as that. Again, that's a six-point swing in the market is is absolutely huge. When we look at what they did from a draft perspective, their first-round pick was a center out of Ohio State, Billy Price. Then they went all defense up until the fourth round uh, with Mark Walton out of Miami. Obviously, they did lose Jeremy Hill. A.J. Green is another year older, looks to be losing a step or two. Uh, Tyler Eifert, Jeremy Hill, um, Pac-Man Jones, McCarron left. So, They've lost a lot. I think that this team, it's very volatile. But I think that what they have shown is that their, their floor, again, I know 2016 they had that tie. Um, so that was kind of an anomaly. Their floor is always 7-9. and nine. You know, Much like Jeff Fisher was always 8-8, eight and eight, Marvin Lewis is always going to go 7-9. and nine. <clears throat> Would I lay that price for Cincinnati? No, but I think that their second half of the schedule uh, is very wow. easy. They do get Cleveland twice, obviously, um, playing that division. They get Tampa um, they get, uh, try to look for a couple more easy wins here. There's really, a, there's a, a wide array of what this team could do. I really feel that way. So I, the more I look at this, I think I've talked myself out of an overbet. Um, when you look at Indianapolis, Baltimore, Carolina, Atlanta, I think that's 0-4. You look at Miami, Pittsburgh, KC, and Tampa, I think that's 2-2. Two and two. Saints, Baltimore, I think they split with Baltimore as they always do. So that's three wins. Cleveland? That's two more wins. So that's uh, three, four, five. So they only have to win. So they have to win two more out of Denver, Chargers, Pittsburgh, and Oakland. And I don't think they can do it. So I think that that's going to be a six and 10 ceiling. So I think I just talked myself out of one by reading Warren Sharp. Um, as we go down into kind of what they did, their successful place, who it went to, no, you know, no shock here. AJ Green. But I will say this, their most frequent plays were to Tyler Croft, Joe Mixon. I think that Joe Mixon has all, with Jeremy Hill gone, he has all the tools to take that next step. And especially from a fantasy perspective, I think he's going a little bit late in drafts. AJ Green, AJ Green could still be had in the third round in most drafts, it seems, this year. So I think that's somebody to target. I mean, he, he's the model of consistency. He's not going to be a top three, top four, top five wide receiver this year. But the five to 10 range, I think, is very doable for AJ Green. Um, it's just not much changes when you talk about Cincinnati and their offense and everything. Most successful plays, Tyler Croft. I mean, that tight end position is a fantasy goldmine when you talk about Tyler Eifert, Tyler Croft. All they do is catch three passes for seven yards and two touchdowns every single week. Obviously, Eifert is much more talented, but Tyler Croft can step right in for that and not much is going to change. This is a system um, and it, it will always be that way in Cincinnati. We look at what they've lost. Again, I touched on that in the beginning. Eifert is the big one, Jeremy Hill. Um, and they didn't really replace much in the draft, but they do have a lot of in-house options. So to me, I think I completely talk. I think this is a hard under here. I think that five, six wins, and I think this is the year. Look for that 0-4. I want to see where their buy is because that could be the time as well. And again, I'm going to touch on who my number one coach to be fired 
uh, will be in, uh, when we get to that team. But I think that his bye week, they have a week five bye. I mean, that is absolutely perfect. You look at Chicago. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's Chicago. I scrolled up too much. They have a, they have a week nine bye. Um, so that's a little bit, um, it's a little bit late. I think that the coach I've been talking about may be gone before that. But I think that at almost nine to one, again, courtesy of my bookie.ag, I think that that's well worth the look. Everybody's favorite team, especially professionals, next up with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, and 16 last year, one and 15 the year before that, three and 13 the year before that. They've covered two games in four years. I'm sorry, four games in two years. If you know me, my philosophy has always been to bet on the streak. And I got a little bit of, of notoriety, and people started looking at the work I was doing because of the article I wrote that the spread was dead. What that means is about 85% of the time now in the NFL, if an underdog covers, they win outright. And if a favorite wins, they win outright. Or they cover the spread, excuse me. No more apparent than the Cleveland Browns covering two games as an underdog in all 16. Yes, they are new. Let's talk about what they added. I mean, Tyrod Taylor. Okay, Baker Mayfield. Okay, I mean, polarizing guys, right? Jarvis Landry is the model of consistency with 100 catches. He's going, probably going to get, you know... 85 to 95, 100 ceiling. Josh Gordon is back for another year. Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb. I think that they're going in the right direction, but there's nowhere to go but up. They lost McCourty. They lost a lot more on defense than people kind of give them, you know, then look at it because that defense as a whole looks so bad, but really it was Deshaun Kaiser and how bad that offense was that lost them games. Kaiser routinely lost them games. And when you look at their draft picks, having four picks in the first 35, uh, five in the top 67, again, Mayfield, obviously number one overall pick. Cornerback Denzel Ward. Uh, you can thank their, their other quarterback from uh, Oregon State or Oklahoma State um, that they had for having to waste a pick there, a guard and a running back in Nick Chubb. So th they know, I don't want to say they know what they're doing, God, it's the Cleveland Browns, but they're on the right track. But to me, when you look at this from a season wins perspective, over five and a half, minus 145. They have won three games in two years. And to sit here and say with everything else that Tyrod Taylor and, you know, call it Baker Mayfield, one of those two, and again, five and a half at plus 115. Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon's been there before. They still were terrible. Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb. I mean, who is, there's not an impact player on this, you know, roster that's going to, bring them from zero to six wins. I mean, people look at that five and maybe think that that's not all that hard, but for the Browns to win six games and to pay juice for the over, I think is absolutely crazy until I've seen it. Um, that's just, I'm, I'm never going to catch me betting the Browns. I'll tell you that right now. And it's been one of the most profitable things in the NFL to do. So again, Warren Sharp this year has them winning five, five and a half. Um, so he's right on par with them as well. To me, this is a hard look towards the under until it stops, until it stops cashing, cash the last five, uh, four years. So this to me, it's just go with the flow until it stops, stops working for you. Dallas Cowboys, I touched on this. Has them winning eight games. They are over under in Vegas is eight and a half minus 115. I told you this. Dak Prescott is Tim Tebow reincarnated to me. He is going to be out of the league in three years. Once they get rid of Jason Garrett, I feel that they'll go together. And once that offensive line breaks up because you can't pay everybody, Dak is not going to be able to do what he does right now. It's just impossible. 
he has the luxury of playing behind the best offensive lines in football. Losing Des Bryant, some people look at that as addition by subtraction, including people on his own team. There's not a ton uh, that's coming in. Gallup is the big one, right? That is the wide receiver from Colorado State that people look at and say is going to be the next stud on this team and going to replace that Des role. I don't see it, truthfully. My, uh, Mike White out of Western Kentucky, fifth round pick. I think, I mean, that is what it is. Leighton Vander Esch, Boise State, Connor Williams. They're all the non-sexy positions, let's call them, outside of Bo Scarborough, who I think going in the seventh was absolutely crazy to me. Um, but Michael Gallup, people are absolutely enthralled with what Michael Gallup can do, um, and as is Warren Sharp. So to me, eight and eight, Garrett to be fired, all those type of things are in play this year. Obviously, the Eagles are going to be the favorite to win the division. Um, I just, I do not buy Dak Prescott. I do not buy kind of anything that Cowboys are selling. So to me, that's a hard look towards the under. And again, Warren Sharp is in agreement. We look at this. Next, we have Denver Broncos. Vince, Vance Joseph in his second year. Warren Sharp has them winning seven games in the 2018 season. Kind of bullish, kind of not when you look at what Case Keenum has done, right? Six and a half is the win total. Uh, again, courtesy mybookie.ag. I don't know where I stand on this because I have so much respect for what Case Keenum does and what he brings to the table. I really, really do. And again, I tell you who my favorite wide receiver in the draft is. It's Cortland Sutton, obviously the 40th overall pick and it's taken in the second round. I think this guy uh, out of SMU, if you're not familiar with Sutton, I think that he is absolutely amazing. I think that he is in the Justin Blackman, Des Bryant when they were good uh, kind of mold. And I think he's going to be an absolute stud in this league. I am so bullish on him. Uh, so when you look at what Denver has added, obviously Kenny Bell, uh, obviously Kenny Bell, but obviously Case Keenum, Kenny Bell, Marquette King, the, the let's call him an, an all-star punter, um, one of the best kind of skill position or non-skill position players in the league. And again, I have so much respect for what Case Keenum has done. And he look at him and you look at the film and he just shouldn't be good and he's a winner and to me there's nothing more important in this league um so can he get them two more wins than what they did last year absolutely when you look at their schedule and again i know we're going to break every we're going to do this long um you know a season win total pod uh, completely but again just looking at this from a you know a perspective on what uh Warren sharp has i i completely agree here um i think they're right on par seven and nine the keenum is good for two more wins Next, we have the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia comes over from New England as the defensive coordinator. Jim Bob Cooter still there. Has them going 8-8. Eight and eight. I believe that is right on par with what Vegas has. I'm trying to see if there's finally a... Um, yeah, another discrepancy here. So the line out in Vegas is 7.5, minus 155 towards the over. The under is plus 125 at 7.5. The book is out on Matthew Stafford. I'm going to give you the best betting nugget that I can tell you in my NFL handicapping career. Matt Stafford is 5-67 and 67 against a team over 500. Let that sink in. <laughs> he has five wins over, a, over teams over 500. And he is unbelievable against teams under 500. It's that simple. So when you look at this, I feel that Detroit is so easy to kind of pick apart and what their schedule will be. So Jets, from the, it's from the previous year. Or, or no, it's from the, um, a team that is projected or finished over 500 on that season. So Jets under 500. I think that San Francisco is going to go over. So that's one and one. New England, one and two. Dallas, one and three. Green Bay, one and four. Miami, two and four. Seattle, two and five. Minnesota, two and six. Chicago, three and six. Carolina, give that four and six. Chicago, five and six. Rams, five and seven. Arizona, five and, I'm sorry, six and seven. Buffalo, 
So that's seven wins to me, Minnesota and Green Bay. So you would have to win one. And again, that's assuming he takes care of the under 500 teams. To me, this is a seven and nine, uh, eight and eight team. So uh, I kind of would lean towards the under there as well with Warren Sharp. Drafted players, guys, they brought in nothing great. on Johnson out of Auburn is the biggest skill player that you had uh, noticed. Garrett Blunt uh, was added in there coming over with, or, you know, obviously knows Mike Patricia. Cut, Eric Ebron. Um, there's not, I mean, Dwight Freeney, DJ Hayden. They didn't lose a ton. Lodi Nada. So I think that that would be just fine with, with kind of the talent that they have in. As we go down the line, we have the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, getting Aaron Rodgers back is going to completely change this team as it always does. 2017, 7 and 9, 2016, 10 and 6, 2015, 10 and 6. Has them winning 10 games as finishing number two in the division to the Vikings. Mike McCarthy in his 13th year, Joe Philbin. Remember, Joe Philbin is the offensive coordinator there, and Mike Patine is the, um, Mike Patton, rather, is the defensive coordinator. I'm going to make this very simple. If Aaron Rodgers plays 16 games, he's going to win six of them. If he doesn't, I mean, he's going to win 10 of them. They're going to go 10 and six. If he doesn't, they're not going to go anywhere. You have no idea. Maybe you do if, if you watch kind of closely how awful this Green Bay team is without him. He masks absolutely everything. And people get enamored with, you know, how much is a player worth. To me, they're, I was almost to say Tom Brady, but no. Uh, Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo handled teams fine. So I think that that Aaron Rodgers has the biggest impact towards the spread since Ben Roethlisberger's drop-off to Jarvis Landry, or not Jarvis Landry, uh, Landry Jones. They went defense, which I, was absolutely necessary. Taking back-to-back quarterbacks, cornerbacks, I think is absolutely genius. Uh, linebacker out of Vanderbilt uh, in the third round. Didn't take an offensive player to Jawan Moore out of Missouri. Obviously, the big departure is uh, Jordy Nelson. And bringing people in, the biggest one is Jimmy Graham. They also have Deshaun Kaiser on the active roster, in case you were wondering. Has them, again, going 10-6. and six. The Packers are, again, over 10, plus 105, under 10, minus 135. So uh, the only two differences were Cincinnati and the Lions uh, from Warren Sharp in the NFL win totals right now. Again, the season, as any season in Green Bay does, as any Green Bay fan will tell you, is going to depend on Aaron Rodgers. When we look at what Jordy Nelson does mean to them and kind of his departure, top five most successful plays, Jordy Nelson was in three out of those five. And the most frequent... Aaron uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb. So Rudy Nelson wasn't even really involved. So I don't think it's going to be that big of, of a drop-off as people think, um, but time will tell. Next, we have the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien comes in in his fifth year, and Warren Sharp has them winning eight games. 2017, 4 and 12. 2016, 9 and 7. 2015, 9 and 7. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. This is going to all center around him. He was an MVP caliber quarterback, let alone a rookie of the year contender um, last year. And DeAndre Hopkins was the number one fantasy option when he had Deshaun Watson. Him Finally, a competent quarterback throwing him the ball. What do I worry about? I worry about the fact that we've seen this happen before with Robert Griffin and a player coming back off ACL. Obviously, Watson is younger, but not a ton younger when you think of how far back that was. I mean, Mike Shanahan was the coach of that uh, Griffin team. So this is uh, buyer beware, I think, if you're trying to buy Watson, because there is absolutely no doubt that you're doing it at the top of the market right now. We look at a season win total from Vegas, eight and a half, minus 160, under eight and a half, plus 130. 
it makes sense. Um, will they or will they not go 500? I think that J.J. Watt obviously coming back with Clowney is going to be huge. But Watt has been injury riddled really in his career. Huge on the defensive end to sign Teron Matthew. I think that could be the ball hawking safety that they have desperately needed. Will Feller, will he take that big step forward? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and Ellington obviously is there. Braxton Miller could take a step forward. If anything happens to Watson, they're done. Brandon Whedon is now their, their quarterback too. And Lamar Miller is their only option at running back. Foreman is out with an Achilles tear. So again, from a fantasy perspective, I think that Lamar Miller is very underdrafted and underutilized. I know he's never lived up to his potential, uh, but there's just too much opportunity there for Houston. So not much um, going on separately there. Now, let us pull up the Indianapolis Colts, who got some good news finally in what seems to be Endless bad news for this franchise. Andrew Luck looks like he's going to play week one after missing all of last season. Obviously, 4-12 and 12 last year, going under their season win total, 2016, 8-8, 2015, 8-8. Those were years with Andrew Luck. So it's time to shoot off the pot if you're Andrew Luck. I think he has all the talent in the world, but something, again, you, I talked about Aaron Rodgers masking that. Those 8-8 eight and eight teams were 4-12 and 12 teams, 3-13 and 13 teams without him. Obviously, this is also correlated to T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton won the receiving title with Andrew Luck. So just to look back at what um, most passing yards is, again, predicated that he plays all 16. I think this is worth a look. Andrew Luck is 22-1 to 1 for most passing yards. I think that's fantastic value. Um, I really do. And again, this is something that's kind of hard to hedge, but the good news is with these, you know, huge long shots, you can pick a couple out of those um, and hopefully hit one, you know, cover your bases, bet the Drew Brees, Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers uh, to pay for your bet. And if you by chance hit a long shot, um, I think that Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton to win most receiving yards is in play again. Um, they've both done it or he's done it before. So those are kind of back to back. Has them at uh, six. Again, this was written um, with him not knowing kind of the what would happen with Andrew Luck. So obviously Frank Wright comes over. They added Frank Gore. Andrew Luck maybe, you know, hopefully can play. Um, Jacoby Brissett kind of filled in admirably, but I think we know what Jacoby Brissett is. T.Y. Hilton, uh, Charles Rogers. There's not a ton on the offensive side. Jack Doyle and Marlon Mack. So uh, to me, this is, I'm sorry, uh, Frank Gore went to the Dolphins. Sorry about that. So to me, this is a wait and see. I think you buy a piece of Andrew Luck. And when you look at their most frequent play, I mean, uh, Jacoby Brissett cannot throw the ball downfield. Everybody knows that. So when we look at this, I mean, it's Frank Gore, Frank Gore, Marlon Mack. Their top 10 most frequent plays were all running plays. Their most successful plays and players that were accounted for them. Braden Williams, Marlon Mack, Moncrief, two Jack Doyles, Jack Doyle, um, and Jacoby Brissett on a run. So again, they need a lot of help. Andrew Luck will mask some of this. And T.Y. Hilton and him are going to be a great combination. However. I think that there's a lot of work to be done here. Um, so let me look at what this updated is with the news that Andrew Luck is likely to play uh, from week one. Because I think this was the one that moved a lot. This is Indianapolis Colts. They're at six and a half, the over. That was the juice. Minus 175. This was at minus 110. So under six and a half is at plus 145. And again, I will do a separate pod to kind of that goes through this. But to me, the big fantasy implications here is T.Y. Hilton and obviously Andrew Luck that is probably going to go a little bit late uh, in your drafts. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. But before we get to the Bleak Boils train, the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips and picks from the super computer, computer as well as trends that you cannot find anywhere else. 
All right, Jacksonville Jaguars. Doug Marone comes in as as his second year on the job with perennial laughingstock Blake Bortles. That laughingstock did nothing but go 10-6 and six last year and give their Jaguars their first double-digit wins in forever. Uh, 2016, 3-13, and 13, 2015, 5-11. Warren Sharp has them winning nine games, again, going 9-7, and seven, so a one-game regression. And Vegas has these same odds at nine wins. Uh, pretty much a uh, dead pick them on both sides at minus 115. Jacksonville added a lot when you really look at it, especially on the offensive side of the ball, especially from the wide receiver position. I completely understand that Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, Mercedes Lewis are all gone. However, they do bring in Dante Moncrief. They do bring in, you know, from a pure talent perspective, a top 10 tight end in Austin Zafarian Jenkins. Keenan Cole looked great. Another year older for D.D. Westbrook. I think this offensive side of the ball can be great. And one thing that Warren Sharp really brings up is the fact that the Jaguars need to protect Bortles in that, He's always throwing in obvious passing down situations. You know, something that always makes New England kind of successful, whether you like like it or not. And to me, you know, growing up in New England, being a, you know, starting out as a New England fan, the third and 10, third and seven draws, it drives me absolutely mental. But at least it doesn't put Brady in a situation that is obviously, you know, every single time, the second and tens, he's always passing the ball about 85% of the time. So offenses or defenses can just completely load up against that. And, you know, it's again, I talked about this with, kind of the bear situation with Trubisky. They're just not putting their their guys in the best positions to succeed regardless of the talent level. Um, so that's one thing that Warren Sharp points out that you know obviously needs to get fixed. Draft perspective, nothing really great. DJ Chark out of LSU. Other than that, kind of went defense. They did draft Tanner Lee in the sixth round um, out of Nebraska. Uh, and again, their number one pick, uh, Taven Bryan from Florida at number 29 overall. Adding in DJ Hayden, I think is a great look. Obviously, I touched on Moncrief and Niles Paul and Safarian Jenkins to make up for Hearns and Mercedes Lewis. As a whole, I think that the Jaguars' offense is better, and we know what how great that defense is with Miles Jack and Smith, Calais Campbell's in there now, um, Fowler, and we know how great that their cornerbacks are. Boye, Ramsey. Now they bring in Hayden. The rich got richer from the defensive side of the ball. So to me, there's not really much of a um, edge in the season win total market. I will say you're buying at the very, very top of the market. I mean, imagine seeing a nine next to Jacksonville just a few years ago. Leonard Fournette, from a defensive perspective, or from a fantasy perspective, rather, has their most frequent, you know, their top 15 most frequent plays were 10 of them were Leonard Fournette and Chris Ivory. So this team is going to run the ball and they're going to run it down your throats and play great defense. So that's usually the mark of a true over team, except that Fournette is super explosive. <laughs> when you look at their uh, most successful plays, Five of them were for Leonard Fournette. The other ones were two backup running backs and Chris Ivory. So, you know, obviously Yeldon's there. Ivory's moved on. So I look for much of the same from Jacksonville, as done as does Warren Sharp. I think a one-game regression, you know, from kind of catching the league off guard a little bit is warranted. And one thing that uh, he does point out for me, uh, pers- uh, gambling perspective is they were favored in seven straight games um, towards the end of the season when they were an underdog basically every single game before that. So to Put a bet on Jacksonville, especially early. Just know that you're buying at the absolute top of the market. Um, that being said, it, it may not matter. As I touched on, spreads not mattering and things like that. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes is the talk of the Twitter world. Uh, polarizing. Everything from the next Elway to complete bust and everything in between. Um, he's going to be the key to this offense. People do not realize how good Alex Smith was in his career. I think that he will always go down as more of one of the underrated quarterbacks. I really do. Nobody had a higher completion percentage downfield um, than Alex Smith last year so far, and he ranked in the top five in uh, passing attempt uh, yards per passing attempt. So the game manager thing was kind of not really fair to Alex Smith in a lot of ways. 
Uh, but that being said, Warren Sharp touches on this. So I'm just going to kind of go over the biggest thing that he touches on in for all these teams all the way forward is that pairing a stud uh, receiver with 4-2 speed and Tyree Kill with Patrick Mahomes' arm is, you know, not fair. Um, so this team is going to probably, you know, be top three in explosive plays. Um, it just depends on the rest of the team. And again, for me, Vegas uh, odds perspective and what Warren Sharp has um, – Basically the same thing again, eight and a half. Andy Reid enters his sixth year. Um, players lost. Uh, Tambali, Darrell Rebus retired. Doesn't really matter. And who they brought in. Kendall Fuller, uh, Fuller great. Um, obviously, they get back uh, Kareem Hunt and they get Spencer Ware. So I think that that's great. They brought in CJ Spiller. I mean, who knows if he's going to make the team. De'Anthony Thomas, a wide receiver. He was the uh, player out of Oregon. Um, and they said signed veteran quarterback Chad Henney. So this team is going to lean on Mahomes, I think, more than maybe you'd be comfortable with. I think he's going to get a lot of run in the preseason, again, touching on preseason. And they also brought in Sammy Watkins. Again, Kelsey is a top two tight end. I think he's right behind Gronkowski from a fantasy perspective. So I think everything is is safe there when you touch on uh, Warren Sharp's frequent plays, everything is running, and the most successful plays are Travis Kelsey in running the ball. So to protect Mahomes, I think they're going to do a ton more of the same, but people may go to miss Alex Smith if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. LA Chargers, there is not a team, mush is the wrong word, but there is so many people high on the Chargers, both to win their division um, and to potentially make a run in the AFC, and I can't believe I'm saying that given what's happened. Um Warren Sharp has them number one in their division, nine and seven last year, five and eleven, four and twelve. They are the talk of the let's say social media world, but everyone is just so high on them. They just lost their second tight end to a torn ACL, so Antonio Gates is going to be coming off the couch into that training camp. I would say by Wednesday of this week, if you're listening to this on a Monday. Philip Rivers is you know one of the most underrated perennial quarterbacks in the NFL year in and year out. And Keenan Allen is a top five wide receiver that nobody wants to talk about because he can't stay healthy. And I completely agree with this. Um, when you look at what they have, Melvin Gordon, top 10 running back. Phillip Rivers, top 10 quarterback, I think is fair. Keenan Allen, top five wide receiver. And they're going to bring back one of the greatest tight ends of all time in Antonio Gates. Defensively, probably one of the top five defensive ends. There's just so much talent over here. I know they lost Verrett, but they also have two of the top 10 cornerbacks uh, in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. So a lot of people are expecting very big things from them. To me, they just, my God, the injuries in this team, and I don't know if this is a, a medical thing, this is a doctor thing, something needs to change there. Um, but again, talking about one big thing that Warren Sharp puts uh, puts out there, in weeks one through four, the Chargers targeted Antonio Gates 70% more often than Henry, and yet Henry delivered 70% success rate. This was to get Antonio Gates the record. I touched on this during the DFS podcast on the SGP show with Sean and Ryan. Um, that obviously shows why. Uh, to me, Melvin Gordon, Philip Rivers, and Keenan Allen are going to be the focal point of this offense. Uh, and I think that all players are very safe from a fantasy perspective. Uh, he just, Keenan Allen just has to stay healthy. And if he can do that, this team is primed for big things. I would look towards an over and a future at like plus 160 right now to win the division. Maybe the only team getting more hype is the LA Rams. And boy, did Jared Goff, uh, I, I don't know if I say he made me a believer, but he proved me very, very wrong. He couldn't get a ball over, you know, above people's feet two years ago going four and 12 and pulled off an 11 and five. And all they did is get better. They added Brandon cooks, Robert Woods on the other side. Again, not that great, but Cooper cup proved very, very uh, serviceable and, you know, a top three running back along with Le'Veon Bell and, and um, David Johnson and Todd Gurley, obviously being the number, the highest paid uh, player or highest paid running back 
of all time. Sean McVay is an absolute stud of a coach, no doubt about that. And Warren Sharp has them finishing number one in their division. Nine and a half wins is what it's set at right now. And you look at what they lost, Connor Barwin, not that, you know, n- there's nothing there that's that's absolutely crazy. The, obviously, the big, uh, and Sammy Watkins, obviously the big thing here is going to be Aaron Donald. Defensive player of the year, wants to get paid. They gave Gurley the money instead. I mean, Cooks is what they added. Marcus Peters, Sam Shields, Nogam Sue, Akib Talib. Meek Wilson drafted an offensive tackle to protect Jared Goff, a center, defensive end. They didn't need any skill players. They got John Kelly out of Tennessee in the sixth round. Besides that, it was all in the trenches type guys, which I think is exactly what this team needs because they went out and bought all the skill players. I hate to sound cliche and say if the quarterback plays well, they're going to be great, but this is all going to come back on Jared Goff because they have nobody behind him. Um, So that being said... I think that he's not as good as he was last year, but he's infinitely better than his rookie season. So somewhere in between that, I think that a um, nine, you know, eleven and five. Do I think they're going to repeat that or exceed that? No. So I think a ten and six is probably fair, um, which would put them at the over. So be very wary, though. The public. This is the number one team with the most ticket count to win the Super Bowl uh, this year, according to Jimmy Vaccaro of the South Point. So when everyone else, when everyone's zigging, look to zag. So. I don't want to say it reminds me of the Philadelphia Eagles dream team, but it, it has that kind of feel about it to a degree. Obviously, they don't have the talent that, that team underwhelmed with. Adam Gase comes into his third year coaching the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Warren Sharp has them as the number three team in the division, six and ten last year, ten and six this year, six and ten. They are at are projected to be six wins. Lost Pouncey, lost Sue, lost Julius Thomas, lost Nate Allen, lost Jay Cutler, which may be addition by subtraction, but not when it's um Ryan Tannehill. Kenyon Drake is going to take over as the starting running back. And they have Devontae Parker, who people have been looking to take over that role forever. They signed Frank Gore, Danny Amendola, and Kenny Stills. This is a hard under for me. I'm going to be very honest here. I think that this team, Brock Osweiler is the uh, backup quarterback, by the way. So <laughs> what does that tell you about where they are? This is a hard under. They may be a 3-13 and 13. Four and twelve, I think, is their ceiling. So, to me, I think this is one of the best bets on the board to go under uh, from a season win total perspective. And the under is actually plus money, under six and a half at plus one fifteen. I think is a great bet. I think six and ten is their absolute ceiling. Um, so, if they win seven wins, I think that that's tip your cap and move on here. Um, again, Jay Cutler didn't care; he was there for the money. But the fact is that Ryan Tannehill doesn't really have the um, skill set to take them to the next level. So, let's move on to somebody a little bit. A team way more attractive, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Meg Zember in his fifth year, 2017, 13 and 3, 8 and 8, 11 and 5 before that. Drafting, they got Mike Hughes out of USCF, which I think is a fantastic move. Tyler Conkin out of Central Michigan, but no skill players. But again, they don't really need him. Obviously, Kirk Cousins got the huge mega deal, and he gets to throw to Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, who I think are top three in the league as far as a wide receiver combination goes. They get Dalvin Cook back, and Kylo Rudolph is always going to be that red zone threat. This is the team for me this year in the NFC. It really is. They uh, are absolutely loaded. They did this with Case Keenum last year. Think of what Kirk Cousins to do. I think that Kirk Cousins for most passing yards is a solid, solid look. Um, Bring that one up for you guys. Is... um, Kirk Cousins is 16 to 1. Um, and I think he's also look worthy of an MVP uh, vote when you look at the talent that he's going. It's the best talent he's ever had around him. He has a solid running back and solid, solid running game. And Dalvin Cook and the two best wide receivers he's ever thrown to, and Stephon Diggs and Lacan, um, 
uh, Treadwell, Adam Thielen. So to me, this, this floor is a 10 win team. Uh, so I think that that's right on par. I think that at worst, if you take an over here, you're probably looking at a push. Obviously Bridgewater's gone. Cousins is in, um, past that. If anything does happen to cousins, they're, they're kind of screwed. Trevor Simeon is the backup there. So you know how that would go. Um, if cousins stays healthy, he obviously had concussion issues. This, the sky is the limit for this, this team in, in the NFC. I firmly, firmly believe that this year. New England Patriots. Bill Belichick enters his 19th season with offensive coordinator Josh Daniels in his seventh and our boy Greg Schiano in his first year as a defensive coordinator. Their over-under to win total this year is 11. Uh, obviously, that seems a little bit low to people. Their last three years haven't won less than 12 games, and obviously Warren Sharp has been finishing number one in the division. This to me, I'm not sure why this, this is so low for being honest. I mean, it crept up to 12 and a half last year. And when you look at what they lost, people want to talk about the uh, wide receiver position. Danny Amendola never stayed healthy for more than eight games when he was here. Julian Edelman was out for the year last year. So I think that four games to further heal up that ACL is going to be just fine. They added a first round skill position for the first time in forever in Sony Michelle. Uh, yeah, they lost Deion Lewis. They still retain James White. They still have Rob Gronkowski. And Jordan Matthews, for all the drops, is a serviceable wide receiver. And people forget Tom Brady brought Rashad Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney to the AFC Championship game. I think that Rex Burkhead is going to be fantastic there. Um, and they added you know, offensive line help. In the 23rd overall pick, and Isaiah went out of Georgia. Jeremy Hill is in that backfield as well. Jason McCourty is there. Uh, Cordell Patterson on special teams. To me, this team is almost better than last year. I'm really not sure what they lost. And when we look at what they've lost, Martellus Bennett, Shane McClellan, Danny Amendola, Alan Branch, Malcolm Butler, uh, Cameron Fleming, Deion Lewis, Matthew, or, um, Nate Solder, um, David Harris. And so to me, it just it seems like the same team. I'm not sure why everyone is so quick to kind of you know throw them throw them away. They still have McCordy and uh, Gilmore on the outside. They have McCordy's brother as a safety, Hightower, Van Noy, and Chung. And I know Chung's up there, but to me, this team is, is just fine. Brian Hoyer's there and knows the system. And uh, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you, or you know, uh, sound like a homer, I'm telling you the facts that this team has gone to eight AFC championship games in a row and are available for plus money. And just because Tom Brady's a year older, we're going to drop down his season win total by one and a half. Um, to me, that just doesn't make sense from a pure gambling, money-making perspective. Um, and so that's just, just doesn't add up. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with getting the discount to finally you know, take this team until it stops cashing. So again, Warren Sharp does have him finishing number one in the NFL. Uh, so I, again, not sure why it's only 11. Uh, Rex Burkhead is the fantasy stud that everyone is talking about. I think that Sony Michelle is worthy of a rookie of the year bet. Uh, and Chris Hogan, I think, is going to be fantastic in the prop market week in, week out. When we look at what Warren Sharp talks about uh, with their kind of personnel grouping and everything like that. The big takeaway that uh, kind of wants to look at is that he thinks that Newlands to become much more run-oriented basically because their running back talent and running back depth is better than what the wide receiver core is. And obviously protecting Brady a little bit because he can't throw that deep ball half as well as he used to. So I'm completely on board with that thought process. I mean, you talk about Michelle, talk about Hill, White, Burkhead, the dink and dunk, all that stuff is still going to be there. So I think it's a fantastic look to go over that as well as place the, the AFC bet that does nothing but cash. New Orleans Saints. Nine and a half is the win total, 20, or 2017, 11 and 5, 2016, 7 and 9, 2015, 7 and 9. If the Chargers are kind of the team that everyone is getting behind in the Rams, in, I think that the Saints are a third. Um, and so they obviously, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but there was, they were at a crossroads of an organization and they came out 
looking great. Obviously, going 11 and 5. Uh, making the playoffs again. They do have a, obviously a little bit tougher of a schedule this year, but he has them winning their, uh, Warren Sharp does have them winning their division. And we look at what they added. They didn't really add anything, but they didn't lose much at all. Uh, so to me, this is the same exact team. They won 11 games last year. You have Kamara, who's another year older. I mean, Breeze is, is a robot, right? And so Michael Thomas, Coleman, Clay Meredith, right? The names are interchangeable. You have Kamara, you have Ingram coming back after suspension. To me, this is this is an overall day. Um, nine and a half. I think the ceiling's ten and six. It's the same team with players kind of getting more acclimated to the system, and you know we can say sophomore sophomore slump for Kamara. I don't see it. I think that him and Ingram are going to be just fine together. Uh, and Drew Brees is just he. No matter what you say about him, he keeps on ticking. And so, again, the big thing that uh, Warren Sharp touches on, uh, it's basically the fact that they're the same team every year. Um, they said that. Before the draft, Drew Brees lacks deep ball accuracy and arm strength, Then he went on to become the most prolific deep ball throw in the game, dwarfing his peers during the best passing generation in NFL, his, NFL history. I expect the Saints passing office to put up numbers that more closely the 2016 uh, season when Drew Brees was the QB3 and get their primarily uh, more 11 personnel. In 2016, the Saints used 11 personnel on 66% of their attempts and three more in wide receiver and 76% of the snaps. So obviously what this says is that they basically abandoned the running game last year. Now that Kamara is... Uh, a year older in Ingram, they're they're going to be more balanced. Um, I think that can only mean good things, and I think that that's perfectly fine for this team. Kramer's boys, the New York football giants. Six and a half wins is the projection. Has them finishing number three in the division. Pass record, three and 13, 11 and five, and six and 10. Eli, 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 right? Uh, they obviously have uh, Saquon Barkley, who has the most talent in the draft this year, but... Uh, to say this all comes around to Eli isn't fair. They didn't have Beckham last year. Evan Ingram is another year older. They added the best running back in the draft in Barkley. Sterling Shepard is more than serviceable. Cordy Latimer on the outside, I think, is fine. They have Solder on that offensive line still. They made a lot of upgrades. Um, a guard and Will Hernandez and UTEP that a lot of people are very high on at the 34th overall pick. And Kyle Luletta out of Richmond was kind of the Jimmy Garoppolo mold, if anything, does go south even more than Eli. Look, if Eli's done, this team is done and they're going to go well under that. But if Eli can be game manager Case Keenum, even Brett Favre towards the end of his career, minus the arm strength, of course, um, I think this they have a 7-9 and nine shot. So basically, uh, the big thing, the takeaway from Warren Sharp here is that, I don't say he echoes what I say, but it's all about Eli and how they're going to kind of curtail this system to be strictly run-oriented, except, for the slants. Um, look for them to kind of adapt to what New England does with Ding and Ducks. They're going to get Beckham in space screens. I think his receptions go up, but his yards may go down aside from the fact that he breaks them is basically what Warren Sharp says. Um, after hitting 22 completions of 20 plus air yards in 2016, that number is only 12 in 2017. Eli also had 23 passes that gained 30 plus yards in 2016, but just 10 in 2017. The Giants did do a better job protecting Eli to give him time and confidence in the pocket to execute downfield. He's not going to get that time. That line is the same it was last year. So to me, this is um, it's all about protecting him and putting him in positions to win. And I think that they will do that again. Barkley's going to, you know, people are are throwing the farm at Barkley to uh, to win the rookie of the year. And I think people are forgetting how bad that offensive line is. Um, I really really feel that way. So Barkley may get worse before he gets better. Um, injuries, all that type of stuff. 
New York Jets. Warren Sharp has them as his uh, finishing dead last in the division, uh, winning four games. The over-under in Vegas is six, so there's a little bit of a huge difference there. Two games. Darnold is the return is the quarterback coming out in the draft. Um, rookie quarterbacks are never really a good bet their first year. Um, they have to learn things, and when you look at who he's going to be learning from, Josh McCown. I mean, the career journeyman. It is what it is, and they didn't bring in a ton in there. They got Crowell. They have Bridgewater as a you know backup. Terrell Pryor, uh, Thomas Rawls, uh, kind of scrapping, you know, getting the scrap heap. I think that Pryor is fantastic. Uh, I think that Robbie Anderson is serviceable, but he was a I'll say victim, but he was a beneficiary of just there being nobody else there. Um, and Bryce Petty locked onto him last year. So to me, this is a hard under. They're going to be right there with the Dolphins in the basement of the AFC. So by default, I guess I do agree with him that Baltimore would be the number two team in the division. Here's what he has to say. I'm hoping Darnold makes an early appearance into the starting lineup. Um, but that's not a knock on McCown. The main thing Darnold needs to focus on is his decision-making, whether it's interceptions or ball security in the pocket. It seemed like Darnold was thinking two steps ahead and relying on his talent rather than making an appro- uh, approach with more attention to what the defense was doing. Completely agree. And here's why I say this. I think that if Darnold is locked in as the, the week one starter, you take this under because they're not going to care. I think that that also makes Bowles very safe. Uh, to retain his job and not be one of the first coaches fired because he has a rookie quarterback, right? McCown is serviceable. He's in that six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight mold. Donald can go out there and get killed, and nobody's going to really care because they're going to talk about how he's developing. So I think if McCown plays, I think you're looking at uh, probably the bye week for them for Donald. If and that could you know which is week eleven. Um, so he could have already done kind of too much damage there into that season win total. So I'm, that's a stay away for me unless Darnold is the quarterback week one. That's when I would look towards to go towards that under and kind of get ahead of the market there. The soon to be LA Raiders with John or soon to be Las Vegas Raiders with John Gruden, currently the Oakland Raiders. They have an eight win total and they are projected by Warren Sharp to finish second in the division. They went six and 10 last year after a 12 and four 2016 and 2015 went seven and nine. Drafting Colton Miller out of UCLA at number 15 overall. Big upgrade in Martavis Bryant to pair him with Amari Cooper. And of course, Jordy Nelson. Going to be man in the slot for Derek Carr. Marshawn Lynch is back for another year as a running back. It's hard to pinpoint. This is what Warren Sharp talks about. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what went wrong with Oakland last year. You know, was it more of a... Was there a season before that more of an anomaly? Was it... Last year, more of the anomaly based on what their talent is. I think that Gruden, I don't know. I think there's so many question marks and they start with Gruden because you don't know what's going to, you don't know the system. You don't know how players are going to respond to that style of coaching and make no mistake, that style of coaching can seriously turn people off. Um, It's kind of a mix of Pete Carroll and Bill Parcells, um, if that's possible. So to me, that's a complete stay away. Defending champions pains me to say Philadelphia Eagles come in with one of the highest win totals on the board next to New England at 10 and a five and Warren's uh, Warren Sharp has them finishing number one in their division 13 and three last year after back-to-back seven and nine seasons. Let me say this. I don't think that they're 13 and three again, but I do not think that they're seven and nine. They were, they were one of my biggest bets last year for their season win total over um, for many reasons. Obviously uh, Peter's uh, Kelsey coming back. Um, uh, Kelsey coming back as well as Peters and Lane Johnson was the huge one there. Carson Wentz, will he will he not play week one? Doesn't really matter. Nick Foles proved looks fine. Darren Sproles last year in that role. Jay Ajayi probably only has a couple years left. Uh, Ertz, Jeffrey Aguilar, Mike Wallace, a nice little uh, upgrade. And people kind of forget who they drafted two years ago. And I think that what not, maybe not this year, but if Sproles gets hurt, 
I think that Danelle Pumphrey, who's the NCAA leader in rushing yards, has a real kind of chance to break this everyday roster. Um, and their defense is pretty much the exact same as it was last year, to be completely honest. Obviously, losing Blunt didn't really bring anybody else on besides Marcus Wien and Mike Wallace. So to me, they caught lightning in a bottle last year, and people always regress off, or teams always regress off that. So to me, this is a... Nine and seven, ten and six is you know way too far down. I think they're eleven and five. That's two less wins, which still puts them at at a over. They do have obviously a you know a very hard. It's it's a when you look at it win loss wise, it's it's a middle of the road schedule. But they do have the you know quote unquote first you know first place schedule. So starting out with Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and Indianapolis, Tennessee, they will handle. But then they have a little bit tougher of a stretch after they get Minnesota. Uh, Carolina and Jacksonville, three out of the next four weeks, Dallas Saints, um, and finish with LA, Houston, and Washington. So their their schedule is up and down. I think that that week five through week eight, although they do have the Giants mixed in there, but it is a division game. And those games are always tough. Is going to be the hardest month of their season. After that, it gets a little bit easier. Um, so to me, I think that there's a real chance they go 10 and 6, 11 and 5, probably more likely. So Warren Sharp's big thing here is obviously Carson Wentz and the development. Um, again, this is a wait and see. LeGarrette Blunt hurts. Um, when you really look at this, their top 10 most frequently used plays were all LeGarrette Blunt, and he's gone. So JHIE is going to need to step up. And if you don't know the, the situation with his knee, um, pretty much every doctor has said that he will not see his uh, second NFL contract. So um, that's kind of the case there. As we kind of close this out, I'm just going to go kind of rapid fire here. Pittsburgh Steelers has them finishing number one in their division, 10 and a half wins. Has them only winning 10 games, though, going 10 and six uh, after going 13 and three last year, 11 and five. They're the team, the the B team to the Patriots is the A team in the AFC like it is every year. Um, you'll probably see them in the AFC championship game like you do every year. Um, Skill-wise, James Washington is going to be that replacement for uh, – Marcus, whatever that role is, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot of people think will be that. I think it's going to be jo- uh, James Washington instead of him and with him with uh, Smith-Schuster playing the slot and Antonio Brown obviously getting that coverage. So a lot of opportunities there. Bell, um, one thing to touch on here, Warren Sharp, this is his biggest thing, is without Bell signing that deal, the Steelers can run him into the ground. He's not coming back next year. He's going to play somewhere else. So if there was ever a chance to get him 40 targets or 40, you know, 30 carries, 10 targets a game. It's going to be this year because they do not care. They're going to ride him until the wheels fall off. So from that perspective, I think it's um, more of a good thing, to be completely honest. Finally, let's touch on the San Francisco 49ers. This was one that I think Vegas made a mistake, if we're being honest here. The first bet of of these 2018 NFL season I placed was Jimmy Garoppolo, MVP. And it's not to sit here and say that I think it's going to, you know, it's this great shot to win. They hung 30 to 1. Um, it, that number has since obviously crashed down to about 15 to one. It was just way too large for a guy that's undefeated in his career. Do I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go 16 and 0, 17 and 0? No. Um, but I think that that was just absolutely crazy. Um, he has all the tools. Marquise Goodwin averaged about 85 yards, uh, every single time he played with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, I don't think that he's the answer long-term at running back, but is he serviceable for a year until they get somebody else in there? Absolutely. Pierre Garçon, again, Dante Pettis, uh, rookie out of Washington. The, his weapons, the name is serviceable. Um, so when you look at this, they entered, this is uh, 
again, what Warren Sharp has to say. The 49ers end of the season as the league's second hottest team. The energy coming out of San Francisco is tangible. Once Jimmy Garoppolo won his first game against the Bears, uh, hope was born. He followed it up uh, with performance after performance, averaging 10.1 yards per pass attempt. Um, and then hope turned into belief when Garoppolo closed the season by defeating three straight playoff teams and route to a 5-0 record. There is so much hype on this team. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. Um, do their weapons kind of justify that? Probably not, but a great quarterback can make anybody look good. And that's what he touches on is they're serviceable. They're not great, but they're not awful. Um, there's a lot worse receiving cores in the league than Pierre Garcon um, and Goodwin. Yes, they have a, and again, Pettis, I think could be something special in the return game, kind of a Deshaun Jackson type player. Um, but that is going to wrap up the Vegas Bookies edition. Next week, we're going to do the pro football focus almanac with our boy, the white whale. We're going to be looking at that from the same side that we looked at Warren Sharp's preview and the same one that we looked at Phil Steele's preview. Again, these are all tools to look at when you start handicapping and kind of, you know, this one is 250 pages. Phil Steele's is the same, 250, 300. So you're not going to, you know, this is a process. Go team by team, take a, a team a day and kind of pick things out and see what lines up. That's the most, the biggest thing that I've kind of looked at is finding out what lines up with each other. And when, you know, these quote unquote great minds and analytics things and you have fundamentals and analytics and all these type of things all pointing one direction, those have kind of been statistically, historically the best bets to make. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Inside Vegas podcast. As always, please rate, subscribe and review on iTunes. <laughs>